Section 2 of Volsunga Saga. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Volsunga Saga by Anonymous. Translated by Erikud Magnusson and William Morris. Section 2, Chapter 6. Now, whenas Sigmund is loosed and the stocks are broken, he dwells in the woods and holds himself there. But Signy sends yet again to Watt of the tidings, whether Sigmund were alive or no. But when those who were sent came to him, he told them all as it had betid, and how things had gone betwixt him and the wolf. So they went home and tell Signy the tidings. But she goes and finds her brother, and they take counsel in such wise as to make a house underground in the wild wood. And so things go on a while, Signy hiding him there and sending him such things as he needed. But King Sigir deemed that all the Volsungs were dead. Now, Sigir had two sons by his wife, whereof it is told that, when the eldest was ten winters old, Signy sends him to Sigmund, so that he might give him help, if he would in any wise strive to avenge his father. So the youngling goes to the wood, and comes late in evening tide to Sigmund's earth-house. And Sigmund welcomed him in seemly fashion, and said that he should make ready their bread. But I, said he, will go seek firewood. Therewith he gives the meal-bag into his hands, while he himself went to fetch firing. But when he came back, the youngling had done naught at the bread-making. Then asks Sigmund if the bread be ready. Says the youngling, I durst not set hand to the meal-sack, because somewhat quick lay in the meal. Now, Sigmund deemed he wotted that the lad was of no such heart as that he would be fain to have him for his fellow. And when he met his sister, Sigmund said that he had come no nigher to the aid of a man, though the youngling were with him. Then said Signy, Take him and kill him, then, for why should such an one live longer? And even so he did. So this winter wears, and the next winter... Signy sent her next son to Sigmund, and there is no need to make a long tale thereof, for in likewise went all things, and he slew the child by the counsel of Signy. Chapter 7 So on a tide it befell, as Signy sat in her bower, that there came to her a witch-wife exceeding cunning. And Signy talked with her in such wise, Fain am I, says she, that we should change semblances together. She says, Even as thou wilt then. And so, by her wiles, she brought it about that they changed semblances. And now the witch-wife sits in Signy's place, according to her reed, and goes to bed by the king that night, and he knows not that he has other than Signy beside him. But the tale tells of Signy that she feared to the earth-house of her brother, and prayed him give her harboring for the night. For I have gone astray, abroad in the woods, and know not whither I am going. So he said she might abide, and that he would not refuse harbor to one lone woman, deeming that she would scarce pay back his good cheer by tale-bearing. So she came into the house, and they sat down to meet. And his eyes were often on her, and a goodly and fair woman she seemed to him. But when they are full... 
Then he says to her that he is right fain that they should have but one bed that night. She nowise turned away therefrom. And so, for three nights together, he laid her in bed by him. Thereafter she fared home, and found the witch-wife, and bade her change semblances again, and she did so. Now, as time wears, Signy brings forth a man-child, who was named Sinfjotli. And when he grew up, he was both big and strong, and fair of face, and much like unto the kin of the Volsungs. And he was hardly yet ten winters old when she sent him to Sigmund's earth-house. But this trial she had made of her other sons, or ever she had sent them to Sigmund, that she had sewed gloves unto their hands, through flesh and skin, and they had borne it ill, and cried out thereat. And this she now did to Sinfiatli, and he changed countenance in no wise thereat. Then she flayed off the kirtle, so that the skin came off with the sleeves, and said that this would be torment enough for him. But he said, Full little would Volzong have felt such a smart as this. So, the lad came to Sigmund. And Sigmund bade him knead their meal up while he goes to fetch firing. So he gave him the meal sack, and then went after the wood. And by then he came back had Sinfjotli made an end of his baking. Then asked Sigmund, If he had found nothing in the meal? I misdoubted me that there was something quick in the meal when I first fell to kneading of it. But I have kneaded it all up together, both the meal and that which was therein, whatsoever it was. Then Sigmund laughed out. He said, Not will thou eat of this bread to-night, for the most deadly of worms hast thou kneaded up therewith. Now Sigmund was so mighty a man that he might eat venom and have no hurt therefrom, but Sinfjotli might abide whatso venom came on the outside of him but might neither eat nor drink thereof. Chapter 8 The tale tells that Sigmund thought Sinfjotli over-young to help him to his revenge, and will first of all harden him with manly deeds. So in summer-tide they fare wide through the woods, and slay men for their wealth. Sigmund deems him to take much after the kin of the Volsungs, though he thinks that he is Sigir's son, and deems him to have the evil heart of his father, with the might and daring of the Volsungs. Withal he must needs think him in no wise a kinsome man, for full oft would he bring Sigmund's wrongs to his memory, and prick him on to slay King Sigir. Now on a time as they fare abroad in the woods for the getting of wealth, they find a certain house, and two men with great gold rings asleep therein, now these twain were spellbound skin-changers, and wolf-skins were hanging up over them in the house, and every tenth day might they come out of those skins, and they were king's sons. So Sigmund and Sinfjotli do the wolf-skins on them, and then might they nowise come out of them, though forsooth the same nature went with them as heretofore. They howled as wolves howl, but both knew the meaning of that howling, they lay out in the wildwood, and each went his way, and a word they made betwixt them, that they should risk the onset of seven men, 
but no more. And that he who was first to be set on should howl in wolfish wise. Let us not depart from this, says Sigmund, for thou art young and overbold, and men will deem the quarry good when they take thee. Now each goes his way. And when they were parted, Sigmund meets certain men and gives forth a wolf's howl. And when Sinfietli heard it, he went straightway thereto and slew them all. And once more they parted. But ere Sinfietli has fared long through the woods, eleven men meet him. And he wrought in such wise that he slew them all, and was awearied therewith, and crawls under an oak, and there takes his rest. Then came Sigmund thither and said, Why didst thou not call on me? Sinfiatli said, I was loath to call for thy help for the slaying of eleven men. Then Sigmund rushed at him so hard that he staggered and fell, and Sigmund bit him in the throat. Now that day they might not come out of their wolfskins. But Sigmund lays the other on his back and bears him home to the house and cursed the wolf-gears and gave them to the trolls. Now on a day he saw where two weasels went, and how that one bit the other in the throat, and then ran straightway into the thicket, and took up a leaf and laid it on the wound, and thereon his fellow sprang up quite and clean whole. So Sigmund went out and saw a raven flying with a blade of that same herb to him. So he took it, and drew it over Sinfietli's hurt, and he straightway sprang up as whole as though he had never been hurt. Thereafter they went home to their earth-house, and abode there till the time came for them to put off the wolf-shapes. Then they burnt them up with fire, and prayed that no more hurt might come to any one from them. But in that uncouth guise they wrought many famous deeds in the kingdom and lordship of King Sigir. Now when Sinfietli was come to man's estate, Sigmund deemed he had tried him fully and or ever a long time has gone by, he turns his mind to the avenging of his father, if so it may be brought about. So on a certain day the twain get them gone from their earth-house, and come to the abode of King Sigir late in the evening, and go into the porch before the hall, wherein were tons of ale, and there they lie hid. Now the queen is ware of them where they are, and is fain to meet them, and when they met they took counsel and were of one mind that Volsung should be revenged that same night. Now Signy and the king had two children of tender age who played with a golden toy on the floor and bowled it along the pavement of the hall, running along with it. But therewith a golden ring from off it trundles away into the place where Sigmund and Sinfietli lay, and off runs the little one to search for the same and beholds withal where two men are sitting, big and grimly to look on, with overhanging helms and bright white burnies. So he runs up the hall to his father, and tells him of the sight he has seen. And thereat the king misdoubts of some guile abiding him. But Signy heard their speech, and arose, and took both the children, and went out into the porch to them, and said, Lo ye, these younglings have berayed you, Come now, therefore, and slay them. Sigmund says, Never will I slay thy children for telling of where I lay hid. But Sinfietli made little enow of it, but drew his sword and slew them both, and cast them into the hall, 
at King Sigir's feet. Then up stood the king, and cried on his men to take those who had lain privily in the porch through the night. So they ran thither and would lay hands on them, but they stood on their defense well and manly, and long he remembered it who was the nighest to them. But in the end they were borne down by many men and taken, and bonds were set upon them, and they were cast into fetters wherein they sit night long. Then the king ponders what longest and worst of deaths he shall mete out to them. And when morning came, he let make a great barrow of stones and turf, and when it was done, let set a great flat stone midmost inside thereof, so that one edge was aloft, the other alow, and so great it was that it went from wall to wall, so that none might pass it. Now he bids folk take Sigmund and Sinfjotli, and set them in the barrow, on either side of the stone, for the worse for them he deemed it, that they might hear each the other's speech, and yet that neither might pass one to the other. But now, while they were covering in the barrow with the turf slips, thither came Signy, bearing straw with her, and cast it down to Sinfjotli, and bade the thralls hide this thing from the king. They said yea thereto, and therewith was the barrow closed in. But when night fell, Sinfjotli said to Sigmund, Belike we shall scarce need meat for a while, for here has the queen cast swine's flesh into the barrow, and wrapped it round about on the outer side with straw. Therewith he handles the flesh, and finds that therein was thrust Sigmund's sword. And he knew it by the hilts, as murk as it might be in the barrow, and tells Sigmund thereof, and of that they were both fain enow. Now Sinfjotli drave the point of the sword up into the big stone, and drew it hard along, and the sword bit on the stone. With that, Sigmund caught the sword by the point, and in this wise they sawed the stone between them, and let not, or all the sawing was done that need be done. Ristuaf magni mikla hetlu Sigmundr hjorvi oxen fjotli. Even as the song sings, Sinfjatli sawed and Sigmund sawed, a twain with main the stone was done. Now are they both together loose in the barrow, and soon they cut both through stone and through iron, and bring themselves out thereof. Then they go home to the hall, when as all men slept there, and bear wood to the hall, and lay fire therein. And withal the folk therein are waked by the smoke, and by the hall burning over their heads. Then the king cries out, Who kindled this fire? I burn withal. Here am I, says Sigmund, with Sinfjatli, my sister's son, and we are minded that thou shalt wot well that all the Volsungs are not yet dead. Then he bade his sister come out, and take all good things at his hands, and great honor and fair atonement in that wise for all her griefs. But she answered, Take heed now, and consider if I have kept King Sigir in memory, and his slaying of Volsung the king. I let slay both my children, whom I deemed worthless for the revenging of our father, and I went into the wood to thee in a witch-wife's shape. And now behold, Sinfjotli is the son of thee and of me both, and therefore has he this so great hardihood and fierceness, 
and that he is the son both of Volzung's son and Volzung's daughter. And for this, and for naught else have I so wrought, that Sigir might get his bane at last, and all these things have I done that vengeance might fall on him, and that I too might not live long. And merrily now will I die with King Sigir, though I was not merry to wed him. Therewith she kissed Sigmund her brother, and Sinfjotli, and went back again into the fire. And there she died with King Sigir, and all his good men. But the two kinsmen gathered together folk and ships, and Sigmund went back to his father's land, and drove away thence the king who had set himself down there in the room of King Volsung. So Sigmund became a mighty king and far-famed, wise and high-minded. He had to wife one named Borghild, and two sons they had between them, one named Helgi and the other Halmund. And when Helgi was born, Norns came to him and spake over him, and said that he should be in time to come the most renowned of all kings. Even therewith was Sigmund come home from the wars, and so therewith he gives him the name of Helgi, and these matters as tokens thereof. Land of rings, sun-laden hill, and sharp shearing sword. And withal prayed that he might grow of great fame, and like unto the kin of the Volsungs. And so it was, that he grew up high-minded and well-beloved, and above all other men in all prowess. And the story tells that he went to the wars when he was fifteen winters old. Helgi was lord and ruler over the army, but Sinfjotli was gotten to be his fellow herein, and so the twain bare sway thereover. End of section 2